Welcome to Diana Prince Lives Next Door. Today is a very special episode. First, it's my 12th episode, so I'm a year into this video and podcast series. And secondly, I have three special guests who are here to talk about perfectionism. Today's guests are Carrie Barnett, Christy Mahan, and Alyssa Berthium. Carrie Barnett is a web designer, branding expert, and founder of Barnett Marketing Solutions. She has over 10 years of marketing experience and a broad understanding of marketing strategies like product, project, pricing, social media management, and she has various web development certifications. She works with her clients to custom designs to align with their core values. Christy Mahan opened Dream Vacations Escape Artist Holidays nine years ago, yet she's been planning immersive travel for over 30 years. She specializes in European destinations and customizes the travel to suit each of her clients' interests. She believes that every trip, big or small, near or far, offers so much more than a vacation. Her philosophy is travel changes your perspective of the world and of yourself in the world. Alyssa Berthium is a professional writer, native Vermonter, practicing feminist, recovering middle child, wannabe superhero, and a mom who's pretty sure she's winging it. She is the lady boss owner of The Right Place, Right Time. That's her virtual copywriting and ghostwriting services boutique. Um, and whether she is writing for herself or her clients, Alyssa believes in emotionally compelling, honest, and powerful stories that are told in an authentic voice that comes straight from the heart and that celebrates bravery, grit, and hope. Ladies, welcome to Diana Prince Lives Next Door. I am so happy to have you all join me for this important conversation about perfectionism. Now, I started this uh, podcast and video series Oh, this is the 12th recording. And the way I say it, it's like I jumped into the deep end of the pool. I didn't know all the facts about podcasting or anything like that, but I felt compelled to do it. And I went in making a ton of mistakes. And I know that you guys have a lot of stories probably to share because we as women, we like to have things, all our I's dotted and T's crossed. And, and I know that perfectionism probably can hold us back and have some benefits. So we're here to just have a conversation about it and share our stories. And, you know, we could take it from there, actually. I really don't have an agenda. So let's get started. We have Ali and uh, Carrie and Christy on this recording. So thank you guys again. We're all to an extent in, in the creative market. And uh, that's probably where perfectionism kind of stalls us sometimes. Maybe we can get started with that. Um, anybody have want to share a story or what have you? I can go first. <laughs> sure. I'll go ahead. So I know for me, perfectionism uh, is a problem for me, especially when it comes to um, social media. I know like now it's, and I'm a marketing company, right? So I know social media is very important in putting yourself out there. Um, for me, I struggled because number one, um, if you watch these videos, they, you know, we're always coached, like show your face, show your face. They have to see there's a human behind everything. Um, I had problems with you know, doing that because my kind of um, business, I could really be working in my pajamas. Like I don't really have to like put on makeup or do the whole thing. And, you know, we're all very picky when it comes to our looks. And so if everything is not perfect, 
I don't want to record anything for social media. And then there's the aspect of like, okay, well, if I don't show my face, then I have to like show my work in um, one of the popular ways that they tend to do it. But because I look at my work and I'm like, this is good, but this, you know, this curve could have been straighter or whatever. Like I would just not post at all instead of just putting myself out there. I'm pretty sure people don't see that little curve. Like something looks a little, they're not looking at that, you know? So that's where I've gotten in my way when it comes to that. I can totally relate, Carrie. I, I find myself sometimes um, working on a process, whether it's uh, a, a vacation quote or even, even if I'm freelancing, I'm doing some design work and I find myself in the weeds, right? And and I catch myself doing it where I'm trying to be too perfect. I'm like, wait a minute, stop, right? You're chasing a rabbit down a rabbit hole you couldn't possibly ever catch. Just time out. And, you know, I always think to myself, there's two ways I can go about it. I could ch stop chasing the rabbit because I know better and somehow walk away from it. But what I've learned is that some of it is about expectation setting for myself and for who's going to be the recipient of the work, right? So a lot of times the first draft or a quote or whatever, it's never expected to be perfect. So that curve or right, the text too small or it's too orange or whatever, um, or maybe I could find them a slightly better thing here or a better thing. Stop what I'm doing, pause and just reset the expectation for myself and my client. And so I stopped doing the work. And then when I send them the project, I explain to them, this is at X state in the process. And that gives me permission to stop chasing that rabbit um, and allows me to move on with whatever is next. So I've had to coach people through it when I had it and when I had a team, you know, people come in and be like, oh, it's not going to be perfect. Deep breath. Because we all, you know, it's like the, the difference between what we think is perfect and where it is right now is so minor. Like you said, no one's going to notice that curve, right? Um, except you or, or <laughs> like if we notice it. But if if where I am in the process is going to be virtually the same for somebody else's point of view, then where it'll be two hours from now after I'm agonizing over it or two days or whatever, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> You know, you I, I actually like that that topic because you know in social media because I know that a lot of business owners do experience that and nothing goes out. I I can also relate there. Yeah, I was thinking about something that uh, Christy said about expectations, and I think standards comes along with that, in in but in a different way. I feel like expectation is what do what do we impose upon ourselves in terms of getting something to a certain. Point, and then what's the expectation of the other party? But then a standard, right, is like the criteria criteria that we're evaluating something against. And I remember when I first got started, I was actually in copywriting and content writing, um, which were kind of new writing skills. I had tons of writing skills. I had writing education, writing background, but not necessarily a formal training in copywriting and content writing. Um, and I remember feeling like, no, I've got to, I've got to uphold like the highest possible professional standard of copywriting and content writing that I can, of course. And then there's some imposter syndrome that always sits alongside our perfectionism. Right. right. Um, and, um, and like, it's, I can't send this to the client yet. It hasn't gone through a fifth revision or something. Right. Because in my, my mind as a professional writer, right. You know, that writing is not a one and done thing. You don't draft something once and then let it go. But what I ended up realizing is I had gotten more clients, more work, things couldn't get the fifth revision, things needed to be delivered, things needed to be put in front of a client for their review was that my standard and their standards were very different because they didn't have the writing degree and the writing background. 
that I did. That's why they were paying me for my service (laughs) was because they didn't want to do it or couldn't do it or didn't know how to do what I could do more naturally. And so I had to kind of like retrain my brain that like what my standard of perfect was, was very different than their standard of what was acceptable. Um, and having to like re redefine like, okay, what's good and good enough without being sloppy, without, you know, under delivering. Um, but man, it really turned the word perfect on its, on its head. Absolutely. Absolutely. I used, I used to have a sign in my office because so many of my, because I manage designers and so many of them would kind of get stuck in that spot. And I would always have to tell them, strive for excellence, not perfection. Perfection is just too unattainable. It's it's an ideal that is just not ever going to be enough. It's like trying to divide a number in half. You can divide the result in half and divide that result in half. You can be chasing it forever. Excellence is where you need to go. It's a so big to add to that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say to add to that, I'm realizing that per- perfectionism is like, well, or perfection in general is subjective, right? We can, we can smooth that curve. We can, we can reword as much as we want and we can think this is finally perfect. You send that out to the client. They're like, this is not, I didn't really want to say it like this or, you know what I mean? Or can I have this straighter? Like, who's to say like our perfect is their perfect. Mm -hmm. And to, and to Ali's point about the edit. Ali, that is literally my email writing process, five <laughs> edits, because it has to be freaking right. And I still get typos and I have to like go back in there. And I, you know, like I go through this pro- this internal process. Where I'm like, you know, f- continually forgiving myself. Like nobody noticed that. Nobody noticed that. But still it's like, why is it even like, you know, sometimes I ask myself, why is it even there? And still the typo is there. And I got to, and I got to taper back and say, it happens. It happens. Don't leave it alone because I I want it to be perfect. I want to make sure like I'm producing something that is, that had 10 eyes on it, but actually it's just mine. (laughs) I'm I'm a solopreneur. (laughs) Well, there's this other part of the process too, especially if it's a creative one, whether it's design or writing or, or even, you know, um, when I'm doing a vacation planning where there's this fear that if there's room for error, then there's room for their changes, right? So, oh, well, you're already going to have to fix this because there's a mistake. So while you're at it, yeah, stuff we never talked about. <laughs> and you don't want to open that can of worms. <laughs> it's true. So, I mean, it does come from a good place. It's not just us being like overachievers um, who want things to be perfect. We know that the, it can be a slippery slope. You know, you can open a door for somebody to say, oh, well, you're already changing that typo. Can you rewrite the whole paragraph? <laughs> That's not what oh, wow. Yeah. No, it, it, I, I can actually see that as well. But let, let's, uh, you know, there's one, you know, I, I could tell you there's a, a quirk about me is that, you know, this perfectionism that I apply to, to a lot of things that kept me from starting my business earlier. You know, I wanted it five years ago, but it took me forever to get to it. It only applies on certain things because, <laughs> because one thing I realized about myself is like, if you, if I was throwing a dinner party, um, for 50 people and the president was coming over, I would open up a cookbook and attempt like a lamb, <laughs> you know, like I, for whatever reason, I'm a risk taker with entertaining, but not a risk taker with anything else. And I'm like, it, I think it's kind of weird that I can do that and, and, you know, and obsess over an email like that. So how about, how about you guys? <laughs> priorities and where you want to spend your energy. Like I don't want to perfect, like this is a perfect, this is a perfect story. We, and now it's turned into a verb 
in my household where if I'm overdoing something, we call it wallpapering it. And that's because a couple of years ago when I was living in a condo, um, it was my, I was separated and on my way to a divorce um, for my first marriage. And it was like my first space like to myself since, you know, having been married and doing the, doing the family thing. And I bought some of that like sticky wallpaper that will peel off and not ruin the paint. And, um, you know, uh, I had somebody help me at the time. Um, my, my now husband, you know, who was a, a friend at the time and, and we were lining it up and we got all the way down to the bottom and it's like perfect, perfect lines across the wall. And then we got down to the bottom and something was askew. And you could see it. Every time I walked to the opposite side and looked at that wall, I could see it crooked on the bottom. Yes. And I just couldn't take it. I can't tell you how many times I peeled that one section off and put it back on and it still wasn't right. Pulled that section off. And finally, he was like, you got to stop because you're not actually making it back. <laughs> Great. Yes. Like, it was actually fine like the first time. Um, so I was so like retentive <laughs> on how this well, this wallpaper bit, but like the way, you know, somebody else folds my clothes or loads the dishwasher or does my QuickBooks, I'm like, sweet, like whatever you're going to do and do it however you want. I don't care because I'm not doing it. Like, and I have no standard. <laughs> I'm just so excited not to be the one touching those things. Right. So I feel like it is, it's like, I think our perfectionism rises to the top when it comes to the things that for whatever reason you value more mm-hmm. than than the other things in comparison to it. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. For me, it's like at a, at a dinner party, man, you serve enough wine, nobody's going to give a shit. Yo, we'll <laughs> <laughs> Collect everybody's glasses at the door. <laughs> I'm like, here, have another glass of wine before I bring out that Lego lamp. <laughs> <laughs> but but then I, I can definitely see the priorities, um, you know, uh, switching from one to the other. And uh, I have been there as well, where I, I, you know, if I dig into my to my memories deep enough, I could find a lot of examples where I, I put up some wallpaper and it was crooked because it's I've done it. I've done I it. And, and it's hard to walk away level. from. It's hard to walk away from. It's like middle of the night. I'm like, am I staring at this too much <laughs> kind of thing? Yeah. So let's talk about that. You know, let, let's explore that a little bit more. When we're talking about our businesses, I mean, um, you know, I know creativity, since we're all I- into it a bit, where do you see that perfectionism holds you up in your in your work? I mean, Ali, you mentioned the the edits, but is there anything else that, that you can tap into and where it's just kind of bottles you up? Yeah. So I'm a perfectionist type where um, I want to get it right, right away. And in that, I always get super anxious the first time I have a new client and I'm delivering the first piece of writing for the first time. Like, even though I know that writing is an evolution and it's a process, even though I know it's not the only revision or draft, um, I still get super like clenched, uh, delivering that first piece, you know, to a client, whether that's, um, a chapter draft, if I'm a ghost writing a project, or if it's, um, an edit, you know, on a chapter of theirs, if I'm in the coaching capacity, you know, I'm always thinking like, are they going to, are they going to be picking up what I'm laying down? You know, mm-hmm. did I, did I look at this the right way? Did I choose my words as carefully as possible to make sure that I'm delivering clarity in my message, whether it's comments in the, in the, you know, editorial phase, or it's writing as somebody else's voice and telling somebody else's story. The stakes feel very high to me at the beginning 
of working with a client. And I think that's because you're in the early part of the journey. Yes, you've won them over. They've decided to sign with you, but now it's like delivery time. And now this is where like rubber meets road and you're showing whether or not you did, you can do all the things that you've already promised that you can do. Um, and because of the creativity with writing and the subjectivity of the reader, there's always the chance that they can be like, I hate this, you know, or you completely missed the mark. Um, and so there's, it just feels like there's a lot, uh, a lot at that, at that first kind of delivery moment in those first couple of weeks with a new client. Um, I mean, I still send it, but like, I, I still have the heart palpitations, like mm -hmm. it, no matter how many years I've been doing this, no matter how long I've been writing, no matter that MFA, <laughs> my name or those book titles, you know, that have already published, like I still get the heart palpitations um, on that first delivery. And I think that is perfectionism hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's relatable for sure. I feel like the same when I send out a concept, especially like if I am in love with the concept and oh you God. send it out and you're waiting, you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but to add to what you were saying, um, I think my thing is like, yes, they signed on, they believe in you, but I don't want to look stupid. Right. So like you're sending an email and you forget the word the, or <laughs> you know what I mean? And you reread it after you hit send. You're like, Oh no, they're going to. So one thing I tell myself is like, I have already, I have already won them over with showing my expertise. They've got to know that I'm not dumb. Like I, that's how I have to like give myself grace. Everybody makes these kind of typos, but when it comes to like delivering, especially that first delivery, because I also do um, like website copy in addition to designing the website, I actually, when I send it, I give an explanation because I'm like, we are just getting to know each other. So I'm like, this is what I wrote. And this was my thought process behind it. We're, you know, you're always open to change it. If you want a different voice, just let me know. That way, like when they come back, it doesn't like hit as hard because it's like, I think, yeah, it doesn't sting as much. <laughs> yeah. It's true. And, and, and it is that expectation setting. Like we have to do that on what we do, whatever we're delivering. I mean, it is to be from our point of view, right? They are hiring us as experts, which is wonderful. And, you know, our confidence stems from our years of experience and what we've learned in the continuing um, training that we do. And, and every aspect of our jobs has certainly changed and grown over the time that we've already been experts at this. So you know, people do trust us to do it right, but we also are humans. So we make mistakes, whether we forget that damn attachment, ugh, right? Or ugh, damn it, that attachment. But everybody's also made those mistakes. So having the grace to give yourself the permission to set it free, whatever it is, a draft, right? The first quote, the first whatever, and say, or even the follow-up. I mean, sometimes I get tangled in the weeds of every new quote, every new project. And then I lose the thread on something that's already established. And I know that I have to go back and finish it, but I've lost the thread to it. So I have to kind of take the time to re-familiarize myself from that project so that I can jump back in the right way. And I've been known to miss that mark on that one. So it's already, it's already I've already shown my capabilities and I've kind of cleared those hurdles. And then I blow it at like, you know, the 20 yard line, I'm close. And that's when I blow it. That's when I really get like, ugh. And I really do feel like I now, now I get hyper-focused and I get locked into that, am I overdoing it or not moment? But it's okay if you make mistakes. I, you know, I, it's been a long time of a lot of self-reflection. It's okay to be human. It's okay to be mistakes, make mistakes. Um, I know a woman 
um, Angela, you know her too. Laurel, um, she has it right in her footer. You know, there are going to be mistakes in this email. You know, we're people. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a little you know asterisk fine print at the bottom. Forgive mistakes in this email, <laughs> and I just think it's brilliant because it it kind of gets her permission to just type it and let it loose. Yeah, if you're so. reading it any other way, like it came from a computer, <laughs> then it then that's the wrong thing, you know. And I, I actually agree with that. But let's I, I want to kind of dive into like where we get this from this perfectionism thing. Mm. I you know being in the photography business, um, you know I I oftentimes you know uh, you know go through a shoot. It could be a, a branding shoot, which is you know is essential to your to your business because you do have to put yourself out there. You have to put your face in front of your ideal client. You have to um, you know that's part of your messaging. And I have had, you know, some clients that, you know, do the, all the work right up until shoot day. And uh, when it comes time to the reveal, they get stuck on that image mm-hmm. and they get stuck on overanalyzing what they look like mm-hmm. and they're not, you know, and then the whole process gets stuck. So there's a, a bit of a coaching on my end to get them away from that about hyper-focusing on whether their hair, you know, was a bit out of place or whatever. And, and for the most part, obviously, you know, Photoshop is a great tool, but, but when it comes to personal branding, you still don't want an overglossed, you know, uh, an overglossed, um, image you want, you know, to, you, to see a few pores because you want to put that, that humanness out there, um, as a business owner. But I do notice it. Women can get hyper focused on a hair in their head and I blame Cosmopolitan magazine for that. <laughs> well, like them. <laughs> I, you know, like I know where I get it from. I, I was, I was a magazine junkie back in the day, and it was there was nothing healthy out there back back then. You know, there was nothing. It was this pursuit of perfectionism. It made me hate my body because I had curves. No one else in magazines had curves. Um, and you know, and I see it in, in, you know, in the, in, in the clients that I have is that, you know, the, the, you know, that, that pursuit of perfectionism in their own physique, in their own looks. And, you know, I'm 57 now. It's taking me years to accept that this is what I look like in reality, not some, some made up vision. And also to accept that when I put myself out on social media, this is what I look like. You know, this is what I look like. There's not, there is no perfection and I've been making an effort. So I, I'm going to direct then my, I think, um, Carrie, I want to, I want you to chime in here because I know you've had an issue with social media. So t- let's talk about that piece of it and putting yourself out there and, and how perfectionism is holding you back there. Can you, you know, elaborate yeah. on this? I blame Us Magazine, people, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It is just, it was awful. I remember sending an email to uh, Ann Taylor Loft because Ooh. I'm trying to buy clothes. This, this was ages ago when you're trying to buy business clothes. And, you know, everybody that's, this was when they went online. And everybody that was modeling these clothes were like a size two. I, you know, I didn't, I couldn't tell if my butt would fit in these pants because the model is a size two. She had no butt. (laughs) Yeah. Every woman has a butt. Every woman has a butt, but for some reason clothes, you know, it's come a long way, but clothes weren't modeled back then by women, by real women. They were modeled by size, you know, 
what is that? I, I have no reference of oh, the 1% of women who are size two. Um, so, so th that was my issue and, and, and I'm still seeing it just, you know, be, it still exists because we're all a product of that. Yeah. Yeah. To my, so for me, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's twofold. I mean, if we were to go back to like magazines and stuff like that, we kind of know, um, that there was a, there was kind of a consistent look on the covers mm -hmm. of magazines. And to be honest, they never looked like me. Okay. So yeah. that's one thing to have to like accept that part. And especially when it comes to, it's not like straight beach hair or, you know what I mean? Like it's a lot of things to accept, you know what I mean? Um, so on that end, there's, there's like, okay, there's that pressure of perfection there. Like my hair frizzy is curling the right way, whatever, when it comes to social media. But I want to kind of even take that and, 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 and skew it a little bit just to say that I think perfectionism is, is so heavy, heavily placed on women because men in the professional industry, no matter what industry it is, men are always looked at like, I, I don't know if it's because they can't have kids, but they're always looked at as like the most professional. They're, they're already respected off the bat. So I know for me is I always feel like I have to prove myself even more so that I'm capable. Um, and so when it comes to the look, it has to be more polished. When you write, it has to be more. Everything has to be more in order to like, be in at least in the same level and it's not right but i i would be lying to say that that is not a factor and and having that weight yeah. i agree i fully agree i can i can i can go on there but i'm gonna let somebody <laughs> please join in <laughs> wow yeah it's true about that perspective i mean just to take it a little bit away from the business piece you know i see it I'm raising a teenager and I know how all that affected my own, uh, the way I thought of myself, like you were saying, Angela, and it's been all, it's been such a conscious effort, such a conscious effort to impress upon my daughter from when she was very young to not compare herself to other people because all that marketing, whether it's Ann Taylor or, or, you know, Abercrombie or all the, you know, the brands, not to mention all the stuff that's on social media, there's, there's just such a, a will, a, a desire to match that look. People are coming all different sizes and shapes and colors and heights and everything else. And you'll never match. So the more gratefully variety we see in all those things since when we were young is all to the good, but yeah, it's, it takes an enormous amount of like counter-programming on my part to impress upon my young kid to say, don't be a victim of that. Be aware of it. It's just, it's, it's a real uphill battle constantly. I think one of the, one of the words you mentioned, uh, compare, right? I think compare is like the sister of perfectionism. Because ultimately, our perfectionism, I think, is based on how we think somebody else does this thing better and then comparing what we're doing to what they're doing. So whether that's like, oh, well, the most professional uh, business owners have perfect emails, right? Um, the most 
you know, uh, outstanding marketing agencies have like, you know, it locked down on their social media. Therefore, I need to like step up my game. And if my game, you know, hasn't been stepped up, then like I can't do it. Like I can't put myself out there until I get all of these things to match. Right. And then again, with our looks like, you know, why bother if we can't fit into the skinny jeans? Um, so, but, but I think it's always through the lens of comparing to what we think is the better. Yes. Or a successful version of whatever that thing is that we're striving to be perfect with. Um, and those things they do, they start so early though. And, and they're really social constructs. Beauty is a social construct, right? Like somebody somewhere decided that, you know, you know, uh, you know, buttless, uh, <laughs> rail thin, white, uh, you know, is the way to go. And the rest of us should just go eat more steak. Like, I don't know. Like, but somebody, somebody decided that and has passed those messages on. Somebody decided that the diet industry should all be about calorie counting and, you know, starvation. Mm-hmm. And that was way to the beauty standard. Right. And so then we get all these other institutions that like play into the social construct. And then, you know, I end up with my seven-year-old son who already is worried about being picked on at school for having to wear glasses or, um, you know, has very distinct ideas about gender or mm. about body type. Um, you know, the fat phobia starts at like a super ridiculous young age yeah. tied into, right, our social construct around bodies and beauty and worse and how all of these things are attached and tied together. And so it's no wonder we're so dysfunctional by the time we're adults. Yeah, I kind of wish that we could just do away with the word perfection. Um, it's a second fat. We get, we just, just because it's re- it's actually ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. And I have to say, one of the things that has helped me, I don't know if this is like a good thing or not, but I realized that um, we, were, we were mentioning compare. And I I used to look, and you, I still am still guilty of doing you. You're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, and you're like, oh, like, you know, their place is perfect. Like the way they have their office set up is perfect. And like, but you know, my cousin has an, um, she has an apartment. It's beautiful. All her plants are real. Like the, you know, everything is placed beautifully. She actually rents out her apartment to other influencers so that it looks like that's their space. They pay her to do her, do their posts in her apartment to make it look like that's the space they have. That made me, that right there, like, made me feel so much better because I'm like, these people, there's face tuning. So we're looking at their pictures. We're like, oh my gosh, her waist is cinched. You know, her hips yes. are this. They face tune. There's Photoshop. Like the, there's, Angela, you probably know about it. There's the neuro filters. You just hit one button and it, it puts makeup on your face. It slims your nose. It, it does everything. And once I found out about all of this, right. I was like, okay. <laughs> But perfection is really an illusion, facade, right? It's right. an illusion, right? Exactly. It is literally an illusion. And I, you know, as somebody that that wasn't on social media too much because I was I I, I was hesitant. I told myself a lot, you know, a lot of stories. But basically, it's because I couldn't look perfect. You know, nobody wants to see my face when all these other people with this with this um, perfect persona out there and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, I had to talk myself out of that. And, you know, when I started this podcast, that was one of my challenges is to get out there, get my voice out there, get heard um, and um, let 
goal of knowing, you know, you know, of, of putting out a perfect product. It, listen to my first episode and you'll see how far into the pool I jumped because it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. I think I said, no, I know a thousand times and it was, you know, it's nerves, it's everything, but guess what? It's fucking done. And I don't say I know a thousand times anymore. And, you know, and the reason I'm bringing this up is that it is so important for us to keep, you know, perfectionism at bay. Yes. It is keeping us from, from achieving what we want to achieve. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I will tell my story a hundred times because it, I was a, I was that person that blended into the wall in corporate. Why would I want a podcast? Why would I want people to hear my voice? Well, I got a lot of shit to say. Yeah. And that's more important. And uh, so, so it's a mindful thing for me. You know, I don't know how, you know, maybe we can dive into, you know, a little bit about that. Like what, you know, I go through the emails and I have to forgive myself for thinning out a typo and stuff like that. Carrie, you mentioned something a little bit, but what, what do you guys do to keep that at, you know, at bay all the time? I know it's, it's, it's a constant you uh, said something. For me. You said um, something at the beginning, Angela, that really resonates with me um, about kind of just getting on with it. Like, there's perfect timing is one of those other perfect. That <laughs> is yeah. just another perfect timing, or just a good kick in the perfect timing. <laughs> when I love, I love, I knew I was going to leave corporate. It was just a matter of when, right? Perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Um, when was I going to start a family? Oh, and were all these little ducks needed to be in a row. I was like a planning paralysis, right? Like it was all about risk analysis, all this stuff about all these big decisions I want to make with my life. And I was rather innocently shopping uh, for books, which is an entirely different podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I was thumbing through this book I had in my hand. It was called The Artist's Way. And it was a bit of a philosophical um approach to thinking creatively. And there's this little quote in the margin. I don't really honestly remember who is, who's the person who said it, but it said, leap and the net will appear. And boy, did that resonate with me. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a certain amount of planning and strategy and all the thinking that goes into making a big decision, whether it's to start a podcast or leave corporate or do something different or to set something free, whether it's a creative endeavor, um, like a project we're working on, there's a moment where you just have to let it go and it's okay. And it, it, it was funny. It was the last thing I wrote on the whiteboard before I left my job in corporate. It was leap and then it will appear. And every time I find myself stuck on the precipice of making a decision, I go back to that because it's okay. The universe will provide. It ha- it has to because not everybody does what we do about getting you know all tightened up about making good decisions or waiting for perfect timing or waiting for something to be just so. It's okay. Leap and then we'll appear. I have to jump in here because she said universe, and um, so my my book, my memoir is Dear Universe. I get it now. Uh, letters on the art and journey of being brave and being me, but essentially what ends up happening at the end of that memoir spoiler alert um is that like my life has like bottomed out it's like i miscarried i got a divorce and separated i was living with my parents i had an almost two-year-old my job went to shit all in the same like six-month period 
there was like nothing left of the life that I had known, like within a year. Like it was just like everything that I thought was stable was no longer stable. And it was then, it was then like when the timing couldn't have been worse, Mm -hmm. right? Because there was no stability, no security, no regularity, like nothing looked the way that it had, that it was actually the divine timing of setting out on my own and becoming an entrepreneur. And if I hadn't had all of that, I would have still been waiting. I would have been still waiting for the the marriage to have changed or my son to be a little bit older or um, to have another pregnancy maybe or, 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 you know, ultimately the perfect timing was the timing that I created out of the mess. That was all the things that were no longer perfect, hundred percent, the opposite of perfect, messy and ugly and hard. Um, and that was really when I leapt and that's how everything fell into place since then. And so now I've been an entrepreneur for five years and it was because I leapt when it was like, there was, there was, there had to have been something else to catch me. There had to have been a net because there was no other option. There was nowhere else to go, but up, um, because everything had already fallen apart. And I think that we, we do that to ourselves throughout life, waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect set of circumstances, the perfect setting, uh, the perfect person to give us permission, the perfect thing to be said when ultimately when it comes, what it comes down to is ourselves. Yeah. It's clearing out our yes enough to see just a little glimmer of hope that we can hang on to and, and we leap. And to go back to something that Angela, you said, you know, you mentioned like that first episode was just, now it was just fucking done. Well, I would like to say, not only is it fucking done, but it's fucking real. Yeah. It's yeah. real. Yes. That it was imperfect and that you put yourself out there in a courageous and vulnerable, brave way to say, this isn't going to be perfect, but I'm doing it anyway because I feel called to do it. And yes. that actually ends up bringing more reward and more of the energy we want back than if we were to just have our filters on everywhere mm-hmm. we went and we looked like we had our shit together all the time, like everybody <laughs> on social media. Right. To add to, add to that. <laughs> To um to add to that, um, one of the things that also helped me is that I also worked in corporate for years. And one of the things that I realized is I worked for one of like the biggest lighting companies like in the world. And I was so disappointed to find out that nobody knew what they were doing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the biggest company ever, and you're running your entire pricing strategy on Excel. Like what if there was like a really mad employee that just like changed a number? Like, like how can you? And so, the, <laughs> so that like that helped me out in a sense of like, when I start this business, like I have to have these ducks. No, they don't even have their ducks in a row. And they're the biggest company in the world. Like they don't even know what they're doing. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just do this. And to add to what you were saying, Angela, is when you were talking about like, <laughs> your it's your first one sucked. But one of the things I tell my clients that especially when I want them to go on TikTok, like I have a therapist one, she I'm like, it's not really about, and I have to tell myself this, it's not about like looking perfect. It's that your content, what you have to say, it is useful to somebody else. Because not to get all Dr. Seuss, but you're the only you. Like <laughs> no, right? Right. There's only one you. And there's somebody out there who is going to greatly appreciate and connect with what you have to say. So it's like, you know, maybe you'll have a a video where you look a little more polished, but if you're, if you just got like an epiphany and you're in the kitchen standing by your fridge, I would tell her, I'm like, just 
put your phone up and and say it because that person's not going to be like, oh my gosh, I love what she had to say, but sucks but. that she's standing by her kid. Nobody's going to care about that. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, just to add to what everybody's saying, it's it's just about you having something to say, having something to yeah. offer. And then just also keeping in mind that even the biggest companies out there still don't know what they're doing. Yeah, so they're pulling it. Right? Some, something to offer, just jump and do it. Yeah. It, it's also, it's also the thing is if you don't get started, you know, if you don't get started somewhere, you're not gonna, you're not gonna evolve to, to something else. I mean, do you, wait a minute. So let's bring this up because I, re, this one is, is funny to me because I remember like I spent, when I was in corporate, I spent time crunching data and numbers are numbers and they had to be exact and everything. So if you could just imagine my analysis from that standpoint, analysis of life and everything was standpoint. But I remember when like uh, the, you know, iPhone, you know, one came out and you remember what that was like. It was buggy. It was buggy. And like, you know, that was my first time that I actually looked at a product and I looked at a company and, you know, wondered like, you know, I was, since I was in corporate, my job was my job. I didn't really look outside of that. But here I am looking at this product that somebody put out. And guess what I thought about it? I'm like, how could they put this flawed product out there? <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. You know, I'm like, this This thing was expensive and they needed to get all these bugs out of here. You know, whatever that looks like. But it's a, it's. But just look at it, looking at it from my standpoint, from my corporate standpoint, I didn't get it. I didn't get what, what they were doing. They drew a line in the sand. They let go of perfectionism, obviously, you know, and it, it probably, you know, a boardroom of men said, this is good enough. <laughs> you know? Well, they put a beat. You know, a bunch of women were on that board. That shit would have never made daylight. <laughs> the daylight. Can you imagine that? But I, I, I promise you, like, you look Those at that is a premium example of what you can create when you just put the shit out there. Yes. And, and let it evolve while it's out there. They, they had to come up with terminology for that. That's why they beta test and they do all those things. Right? Yeah, you, you get a beta to tester. There are flaws. Fix that crap and the next go. They'll yeah. get time and they'll, and they'll put something sparkly on it. So it looks like they're improving it and getting yeah. it. Exactly. Imagine <laughs> it. You know, I'm going to tell my clients, I'm beta testing you. <laughs> this is just a little one. <laughs> Well, I tell people I'm at Christy V too. My life has changed so much in the last six years. You know what? You're getting a whole new version of me. And I'm like loud and proud about it. So good. That perfection crazy chick at the door. You gotta go. <laughs> I mean, if we think about the iPhone, they knew the product was probably flawed, but they also were so confident about their vision of where the iPhone would go. Mm-hmm. That they were more attached to the vision and the long-term eventuality than they were with the initial first step. Like they were able to look ahead. And I think, I think women, a lot of the time, they need to know that they're secure in the now and they get wobbly about their dreams of what the future holds because all of this other mental downloading garbage comes flooding in. And so even though we're capable and we're skilled and we're talented and we're brilliant, and we can multitask and all of these gorgeous things, you know, we get in our own way because we're listening to the external forces rather than channeling inward to be like, no, sister, you got this. You got this. You got something coming in 10 years, but you're not going to get there if you don't start today. So like That's put right. yourself on the podcast, get yourself on there as a guest, you know, write the thing, say the thing, videotape the thing, do it in your spandex, do it in your underwear. Like, you know, whatever it is, 
Um, you know, we, I think what we, our biggest challenge is not just perfectionism, but it's, it's turning the dials so that the external voices go mute and the internal voice goes louder. And we are more in tuned with our own inner strength and confidence and ability, like the white dudes around the table who are called <laughs> but everything and don't care about it. Like now nah, we're doing it anyway. Like we all need to be more like Nike. That's a nice way to tap that off. Anyway, but that that's a nice that's a nice way to just top that that topic off because it is. We're not moving forward. Yeah. And if, if we keep, you know, letting our analysis and our our, our strive for perfection, we're not going to do it. So so, um, you know, make make a decision um, and 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 decide when is the right time to jump in. So just to, uh, you know, uh, close it off, because since we're getting to the end of our time, I want to let um, give each one of you guys an opportunity to give, you know, women out there some advice. Do you have um uh, let's start with Allie. What advice would you give a woman who is um, constantly in analysis paralysis and and not moving forward? Uh, my thing is the hardest thing will always be beginning or starting, but you're not going to get anywhere without starting. So look, look for the small step, the small little piece to the bigger goal that you can do and break it off one little piece at a time, get the small win and gain the momentum and confidence off the small win to get to the next the next win. And always remember that the permission that you seek from others already resides inside yourself if you're willing to permit yourself and not look elsewhere. Great. Thanks. Um, Harry? Um, can you repeat that one more time? I had a little visitor. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Well, what advice would you give a woman who is in analysis paralysis right now and she's not moving, you know, um, you know, her goals forward, whether they're personal or, or in business? So I just heard a very great thing about the vision before. So I think that keeping your eye on the vision and also understanding your value and your uniqueness and embracing that and understand that people want to hear your voice, regardless whether you missed a word or you, you're not looking perfect. Just think about what you have to offer and believe in it. That's great. Christy? I'll go back to what I said earlier about Striving for excellence is different than striving for perfection. Um, if perfection is an illusion, don't don't chase that rabbit. You will not catch it. So take the leap. The net will appear. Go after excellence. Trust yourself. Give yourself permission to be you and go and get it because nobody's going to give it to you. So get out there and do it. Oh, thank you, ladies. That is fantastic advice. And we are closing out and I hope everyone enjoyed this conversation who's listening in or if you're watching our video. Um, if you want to learn more about my guests, then uh, Carrie of Barnett Marketing Solutions, um, Christy of Dream Vacations, Escape Artist Holidays, or Allie of Right Place, Right Time. I have their websites listed in the description. So please look these wonderful ladies up. Um, they are fantastic and I know them personally, so I can definitely, you know, say they are a uh, phenomenal women to reach out to. Let's just say, see, I already screwed that one up. I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't well pay. I'm, I'm not, I'm not editing it or anything like that. I'm just going to leave that alone considering the today's topic and everything like that. But <laughs> I, I thank you guys for joining me on this important conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome.